Huzzah! I'm Spider, and welcome to the Jacks Rangers, a New England Free Jacks podcast. And here is your host, Phil Harris. Yeah! Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. We are on to New Jersey. The bye week is over. Bye week blues are done with. Let's get right into the episode right now here on the Jacks Rangers show, presented by Storm Along American Hard Cider. The Free Jacks will be back on the field once again down there in New Jersey. Episode 37 honors that. We are calling this one Forget About It. Hey, I'm walking here. We'll be heading down to Hoboken RFC to take on the semifinalists, aka the Dirt Peckers. Super excited about that. Hope to see a lot of the people listening to this, the Rangers out there down at the game. I know that we'll have a large contingent of expeditionary forces down there from the 1st Regiment. We will be loud and proud as always. Super excited about that. Wanted to talk about the lineup of today's show. We will have Scott, the big guy Ferrara, who holds the record of non-Free Jack personnel most appearances on the show. We really love Scott. Just hate the team that he roots for. We'll have Bozo 6 rapid reactions and picks after that. Bozo has been tearing it up the past four rounds. I think he's like 19 and 3 win-loss record there. So incredible on those picks, guys. And then we'll have Thomas Kindly, the performance director of the Free Jacks. He will be joining Dave and I for an interview there. Really excited to talk to TK. TK holds the record of the most appearances on the show for Free Jacks personnel, by the way. And then finally, we'll have the Outriders segment with the Rugby New Jersey preview, and also Dave's report card will be thrown in there as well. And of course, I'll come back and and close up shop with you guys and talk about a couple things. Before we get into the actual episode, wanted to mention that Kenny, the Scottish sensation, aka Colonel of the Expeditionary Forces of the 1st Regiment, you know, talked to me at the previous game and, and we were talking about the possibility of having a Fans Player of the Year. He has decided to put forth the trophy for that and also a single malt Scottish whiskey that he will be picking up from Scotland to bring back for that particular Player of the Year that the fans will decide upon. What we'll do is we're going to have a document or um, a Google Forms link to send out to everybody. We'll blast that all over social media for people to vote on their fan player of the year before the season wraps up. So that'll be very cool. I'm also doing a little special thing that I'll announce it um, later on in some social media posts as well to go along with that trophy and uh, whiskey. Speaking of adult beverages, I wanted to mention our primary sponsor, Storm Along Cider, real craft hard cider made in Massachusetts. All of their ciders are made with 100% high quality, fresh pressed, locally sourced apples. Taste the Storm Along difference and get your hands on some today. Use promo code TJRS for 10% off your first online order at their website, stormalong.com, or check out their locator to find realtors near you on their website there. All right. Respect the Apple guys is their motto, and their ciders are always made with 100% high quality, fresh pressed, locally sourced apples from orchards across New England. All right. Let's get right into the episode here with Scott, the big guy Ferrara. Huzzah. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I am joined by my buddy, Scott, the big guy, Ferrara. Scott, how the hell are you? I'm doing well. How are you, man? 
Not too bad, man. I got my cat on my lap right now. Life is good. Free jacks are flying nice. high. Eight and one right now. Feeling good. Feels yeah. good to be good. Um, yeah, absolutely. Coming out of a good bye week. Everybody got some rest. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And and your team as well was on a bye week. I think that's pretty pretty interesting coincidence. Um, the next big matchup, obviously, for this rivalry series is coming up on April the 24th. A lot of our fans, our, our Rangers out there, the uh, expeditionary forces are heading down uh, from the 1st Regiment to, to see you guys down there in Hoboken. So let's get right into it here. I believe it's fair to say that other than Free Jack's personnel, you have the record for the most appearances on the show. But for those that may have missed those appearances please give us a um, a rundown a brief rundown of your personal and rugby background please sure uh, i got into rugby when i was in high school uh watching uh, through a teacher uh, played in college played a little bit of men's uh, picked up an injury had to stop playing contact sports mm-hmm. um obviously uh pro rugby through its iteration was a fan of the sacramento express because there was no teams uh east more east than ohio and i don't mm-hmm. go for anything with ohio yep um and then, obviously, uh, Rugby New York comes up. Uh, 2018, they're playing their playing matches, you know, their, their setup matches, and I got involved and, you know, run the Rooster Roosters and stuff like that. And I also do uh, our show, The Rugby Rant, uh, every Thursday. Very nice, very nice. Um, let's talk about what the hell happened with Rugby New York in L.A. How And how mad were you watching that massacre? Well, I mean, honestly, I think every fan was mad. I think it just comes down to a lack of execution and, you know, it, I think five guys got injured. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Andrew Coe was not completely out. He was done. Uh, Jason by the, the 55th minute was out, you know, walking around with a poop. I don't remember who. And then Troy Lockyer goes out with an arm injury. So I mean, it's just like, you know, shit, shit rolling downhill. The quicksand, you know, one thing happens and another thing happens and another thing happens. And, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things where it's there's a lull in the season. You know, there's, exci- there's excitement for guys. To come home. There's a lull in the season. And what we have to remember, unlike, you know, the big sports leagues, these guys, a lot of these guys come over here. They play rugby. They need their families. They need their friends. You know, and it's great living in, you know, New York. It's great living in Massachusetts. It's great living in L.A. It's great living in Austin. But they've now been here half the season. So I think it's just one of those things where mentally you kind of get down and you don't think about it. but you know, we're on the bye week now. I see a lot of guys social media. They're resting. They're relaxing. I got to speak to a lot of guys who were injured, you know, just to make sure that they were okay, you know. And, you know, they're going, especially the HIA guys, they'll go through their process and they'll make a determination whether or not they'll be back. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there. I mean, listen, just like any sport, you're going to – if nobody can play perfect. If everybody played perfect, then, you know, right. you have a problem. Yeah. It's a good point. Uh, you know, the Free Jacks also had a game prior to the bye. I was a little concerned that, you know, there would be distractions looking ahead to the bye week. Fortunately, um, you know, they, they had a victory there at home at Fort Quincy by the skin of their teeth against a very pesky Seattle squad. Um, let's talk about Rugby New York's. Uh, they, they have six wins and three losses right now, currently in third place in the Eastern Conference with Toronto nipping at their heels within five points, I believe. Uh, this is a team that by all accounts got better in the offseason. Are you concerned at all that New York could miss the playoffs with three losses right now? I mean, at this point, not really. You know, it's one of those things where we have a whole second half of the season. We're going to play another chunk of our Eastern Conference. And, you know, if, if you're a new fan and you don't know how it works, you know, those, those Eastern Conference metrics are going to double, right? So mm-hmm. the 
floor differential doubles on a win or a loss. You know, obviously a bonus point is going to mean more to you than against an Eastern rival than it would be against maybe, you know, crossing the conference. So I think for all the teams, we're going to see a lot of changes as far as the scoring. You know, we're going to see a lot of those flip-flopping and it's going to come down to differentials and bonus points. I mean, am I worried? No. I mean, we were in this situation last year. We were in the situation in 2019, mm-hmm. you know, and it came down to the last match of both of those seasons. So it's just kind of, I think, par for the course for any MLR fan that has a team that's in the final. For sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. You know, uh, there's no reason to hit the panic button at all, but um, I'm a little surprised with the losses with this team. I know that they're very good. They have a very good roster. Um, you know, it is what it is. Now, on Monday, they they really want to wash, wash their hands of that loss against L.A. by announcing that Nick Savetta is returning or rejoining, rather, uh, Rugby New York. What do you think his impact on the squad will be, a, a veteran presence, a USA capped eagle? Well, it's definitely going to help with the lineout. Obviously, him and Nate Brinkley are two stalwarts for the Eagles, and their specialty is lineouts. Yes. Um, not to say that you know Will Tucker and Charlie Hewitt aren't. That's not a specialty of theirs. They're good at it, but Nick just has a knack for, knack for going up for that ball. And the plan for Nick to come back this this was the plan. So in 2021, this was going to be the same plan. Nick was playing at Oxford. He was studying in Oxford. He was going to play in the varsity, which would have been route now, and he was going to come halfway through the season. The varsity gets pushed back all the way to the international window. Obviously, Nick being a selection for the Eagles, not make did it make sense for him to stay at Oxford the entire season until the international window? So he he you know they, essentially his classes are online. He comes to Rooney, plays the whole season last year. So it was just a different way that they needed to do it. Because let's be honest, a lot of rugby players go back to school at Cambridge and Oxford to play in the varsity. It's just something like you want on your resume. It's like being you know selected for the barbarians. Right. You know, it's one of those things you want to hang uh, up. So and I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad to have a guy on the team that looks at those things and go, that's important to me in my career. And it's mm-hmm. not always about the money or chasing that professional contract. For and sure. uh, I think that shows a mixed leadership that when he's no, no matter what team he's on, he's looking to win the match. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, as we were saying earlier, both of these clubs will be coming off of a bye week uh, to face off in Hoboken, New Jersey. What does New York have to do to win this game? Uh, they just have to get better at their tackling. They're making good contact, but they're not keeping those rats. Um, you know, last year that wasn't really an issue, but they had different personnel. Mm-hmm. Body style wise, are a little different. You know, last year we have guys like Marco Keith and Will Leonard. You know, you don't realize how big guys are unless you really see them. And I don't think television gives a lot of guys justice. Um, but they are big, wide centers that play that way. Um, so I think when you have guys like Fossey Fulton, Jason Emery, who are just a little bit slighter, you're just losing out just that little bit of can they retain the tackle? You know, somebody coming full bore at them. You know, so I think. It's not necessarily their skill level as much as it's just physics on, you know, an immovable object hitting, you know, the unstoppable one, you know? Oh, for sure. Uh, We were hoping for more expeditionary forces making the trip down to Hoboken on April the 14th to see these two rival clubs face off against each other. Any recommendations that you would have for all of the New England fans coming down now that you've had a, a lay of the land down there in Hoboken with the new venue? Oh, Oh, I mean, honestly, if you're coming and you and you have time to just explore the area, there's always a street market. There's always there's millions of bars and places to eat. It's nice to just walk around. Um, 
you know, it's, it's one of those things where if you have time to go in the city, go for it. But there's so many things to do in Hoboken. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different cultures. It's a big mishmash of everybody, you know, who wants to work in the city and live in the city, but not necessarily pay as much as you would in, in town. Um, but it's a very nice area. Um, obviously, 10th and Willow, uh, pregame and, and, and post-match. Mm-hmm. Um, the post-match socials at 10th and Willow, that's where the players go. So I expect all you guys to, to grab a beer. We'll grab a beer um, at 10th and Willow. Um, and pretty much any area bar around there is worth just going and having a play. Yeah, it's really not far from the actual pitch um, to 10th and Willow. We, we made that walk. It's, it's nothing. It's maybe five minutes at the most. So very close by, very convenient. Um, yeah, in a nice little bar for sure. Um, let's talk about what were your impressions? Now, of course, last year we had a couple of Rangers make the trek down there. Not many, maybe about three or four, but this past visit that we had, we had about 30 people there, uh, Scott, what were your impressions of the expeditionary forces of the first regiment that made the trip down earlier this season? Oh, no, it was great. I got to see a lot of people, you know, I speak to online, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, I, I haven't had an issue with any away fan ever. Um, I've never seen an issue at a Rooney match with an away fan ever. Um, you know, just, just the other, the other week, the OGs, um, you know, Dublas was, was dicing and slicing us for there and they do their little chicken dance and hell yeah. I, I love when fans cheer for their own fans. I, I, I don't mind if you think the referee made a shitty call and you say something. I don't mind if, if you're mad that the other team scores, as long as you're, you know, nice about it, which you, you check, you guys check that box. You guys are excited fans and you cheer for your team, you check that box. And you're just nice people to hang around with, you check that box. I mean, those are my big, big three things, and you guys all hit that. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um, before we get into Dave McVeigh's questions, you know, Dave is, has been ill, unfortunately, so uh, we weren't able to have him yeah. on with you here. But um, before we get into those, I wanted to point out that Storm Along, uh, this is their legendary dry guys. It is their flagship cider. It is absolutely delicious. If you're into more drier ciders, I highly recommend this one. Um, yeah, storm along. Um, so yeah, let's get into Dave McVeigh's questions for you, sure. Scott. Um, if you could extend one player on New York's contract right now and lock them in for the next four seasons, who would you choose and why? I know you got some players on there that are getting long in the tooth, so I can uh, right off the bat, I think you're not going to select Andy Ellis in this, but who who would yeah. you who would you extend? Right now, I would say Caleb Geiger. He's the third string hooker behind Dylan Fawcett and Wilton Robolo. Now, Wilton Robolo, I call Wilton Robolo a hooker loosely because he plays profit. Um, Dylan is getting older and not that I think, you know, his, his play is diminishing, but Caleb is new to rugby. Um, he played college football. He okay. has a mindset that I think will transfer well into rugby as far as like strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. He was, it's, I mean, you know, you're, 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 you know, you're South Carolina guy, you're, you're a Cox guy. The way Americans do the weight room, especially in football yeah. is something you don't see in rugby outside of this country. And when he came to Rooney last year, and from what I was told, he gets there the first day, the forwards are doing, you know, uh, weights. He waited for everybody to do their squats. He had three plates and then started squatting for reps. And the other guys <laughs> went, oh, shit, I think I'm in trouble. Right. I think that type of mindset is what's going to make us excel as rugby players in America. So mm-hmm. having that guy in the, in the locker room, in the, in the weight room, doing things for the next four years and progressing – that's that's one of those fine positions that I feel like if you lock up now, it's a good position. 
Well, that's interesting. A third string hooker. I like that though. I mean, you're talking about that mentality that you want to have the locker room, somebody that's pushing people uh, with that competitive iron sharpens iron. I always say that and I always truly believe that. So that's great. I love that. That's a sneaky good um, uh, selection there. Who do you think has been New York's best new signing for this season? Kalolo Tuiloma, I think, has been the best new signing. Um, he's obviously great in the scrum. He's forward. His ball handling is something you don't see a lot in forwards. He doesn't, he doesn't knock it on constantly. He holds that ball high and tight with two hands, but be, he doesn't lose a step with it. I mean, he's a big guy, right? He's not going to be fast. He's not going to be quick. Mm-hmm. He's relatively quick for his size, and I think he brings an offensive side to a forward and a prop that you don't see unless you're in the really high levels. You, know, you either have like a really good scrummaging guy or a really good forward guy or a really good you – know, a really good running uh, offensive guy. He's the, the the mix that you need where he could do both and excel at both. Okay. Love that answer. Uh, what is your favorite thing about the style of rugby that New York plays? Well, they're not afraid to, to go out wide to their to not just not to their playmakers, to anybody. Mm-hmm. They will run the play and whoever they feel has the best shot is going to get the ball and then make a play. So if it's a chip kick to Andrew Cole across field, they're going to try it. If it's, you know, Jason Emery coming straight through to the center because the wide stuff isn't working, you're going to try it. They seem to adapt as they're on the field. Um, I think that's their overall, I think that's the, the best mindset you can have because why continue to do something that's not going to work and why continue to be selfish if, if you know, maybe it's not your day and your step is a little off, offload it to the next guy who's, who's playing better than you. Um, so we're going to get down finally here. My final question is, what is your prediction for the game and why? Why do you think it's going to shake out like that? I think it's going to be tight. Obviously, I'm going to pick New York to win by three. Um, okay. I think they're going to come in a mindset after this the team's loss, and they're going to be angry. Yep. And I don't think you've seen this team angry yet. And I have a feeling, and that's not to say you, know, you guys aren't a good team. You're a great team. You're playing very well. You're you're you know, the free jacks are are in that mode. But I think at some point something's going to break loose and it's just going to be one of those, like, you know, punch it in the mouth games. Maybe we stun you for the first 20 minutes. And then from there, it's a dog fight. Mm. But I'm going to say, I'm going to say New York fight. I'll tell you what, um, Foster DeWitt's dad is one of my, uh, my, my best buddies nowadays on Facebook. Uh, he he uh, contacts me a lot. I really appreciate the contact by the way, Gary, but um, he made a very, he was saying, you know, we're expecting just to go into New York and just rip them up. And I said, well, wait a minute here, pal. I mean, you know, this is a team that they, they have a cross country rival that they go visit. They get blown out. They get embarrassed. Um, they're on a bye week and now they have to go, come home and play their biggest rival. Um, I don't care what anybody says. It, 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 it's, it's Boston and New York. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they have to show out. They have to play with pride in front of their home fans after that disaster in, in LA. So mm-hmm. I expect it to be really tough. I, I am predicting, of course, the free Jacks to win, but I'm not going to give my prediction away at this point, but I'll just say, yeah. you know, no, no surprise I mean, here. I'm not and, spoiling and look at, anything. Look at the first yeah. match. You yeah. know, it, it was a wider gap because you, you guys scored at the death. Of the mm-hmm. You take that match away. It's, you know, I think it's seven or eight points. And again, that's the type of matches we're going to have. I don't think we're going to have a blowout mm-hmm. when we play each other. I think it's going to be within, you know, a converted try or even less than that generally is what I was thinking. So I, I, again, I expect them to come and play hard and have that pissed off attitude. I think that's what makes it different. I'll tell you what, I mean, all of us, you know, as we were leaving, we were just overjoyed, just absolute, you know, jubilation that we had beaten you guys at home in that 
type of fashion. And I, and I really savored that moment because I thought, you know, we're coming back down here on the 24th of April. I doubt that we're going to be that excited when we leave. I'm not saying that I, yeah. was, you know, being ominous and like saying, oh, we're definitely mm-hmm. going to lose. But I felt like, you know what, we really need to savor this moment because we just beat a very good team, our biggest rival at their place. Very convincingly, I think, um, you know, as it shook out, mm-hmm. you guys got like a, a last minute try there to make it a little bit more respectable, but yeah. it, it felt good. And that last 20 minutes, it felt like the, the free jacks really hit another gear. Um, mm-hmm. And boy, that was, uh, it was so much fun. Yeah. Hey, that's, that's how it's supposed to be, bro. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. Absolutely. Uh, so we'll get uh, one word association going and then we'll get you out of here. Okay. Sure. All right. Rangers is the first one. See, I gotta go New York. I knew you were gonna say the playoffs, baby. You know, so I knew you were gonna say it. Uh, Patriots. Two words: Tom Brady, a Michigan guy. So it's you know, it's that's the association. All right, Um, New England clam chowder. Okay, I I, to rank them. I'm a Rhode Island clam chowder guy. What the hell is that? And so it's clear broth, clear broth. Okay. Right. Then New England, then Manhattan, because I mean, you know, I, I eat tomato sauce all the time, so I'm like, yeah, it's red sauce and the chowder. It's you know. Did you know that they're calling the um, the meeting between us and you the guys? Chowder bowl, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I got that from I got that from Alex and from Nick. They're like, did you know? For your, make sure you say that on the podcast. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> yep, should be fun. Um, yeah. The butcher, a friend. He's a great guy. Uh, for those of you that don't, if you don't know Dylan, he's a great person on the pitch he's a great person off the pitch and i think he's a great representative of what rugby can be here you know coming from ireland getting his education here his upper education here staying here making a family here that's the american dream and he's doing it he's chasing the egg here it's, it's great um second from last one here cake boss eh, eh, <laughs> I, I, partially my my family my, my father's cousin owned a bakery uh, his aunt my father's aunt and uncle owned a bakery their grandparents owned, you know, their parents owned a bakery in Yonkers for years unfortunately they had to close down due to the pandemic I mean, we're talking about a bakery that was there for 90 years so wow. when I went to the bakery when I was a kid it was the family bakery it wasn't buddy so I'm kind right. of about it you know okay there's a really nice vegan bakery i can't remember where it is but it's yeah. like um like 20 minutes from hoboken we we happen to like stop there it's so good i can't remember the yeah. name of the place yeah. maybe vegan That's lab awesome. or something like that so good i'll take um, a look i'll t- I'll, I'll, I'll look it up and then i'll send it to you. thank you i appreciate that um final one is hoboken uh i, I know it's supposed to be one word but i'm gonna say sinatra well i guess one word sinatra is one word but yeah, yeah, yeah. oh frankie yeah you know old blue eyes there so that's it all right man this has been a blast it always is with scott yeah um so uh yeah looking forward to seeing you at the game we'll definitely get a picture again as we always do and we got well i got one word to get out of here in three two one huzzah Woo! huzzah rangers this is phil harris again here at the jacks ranger show i'm joined once again by my brother chris lynn aka bozo six bozo how the hell are you i'm doing really well phil rocking my storm along shirt my Jacks Rangers hat. I'm ready you're, to go. You're ready to go. I love the shirt, love the beanie, and I've got my legendary dry right here. Their flagship cider. I'm gonna uh, pop a top right now. Let's get so ready. check this out. Unfortunately, my storm along reserves ran out. 
So I got myself a beer today. You okay. should you should have done or you should do what I should have done and go to www.stormalong.com, enter promo code TJRS. That's Tango Juliet Romeo Sierra for 10% off your first online order. You can get whatever they got in stock. Man, I blew it. I should have just ordered it online. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, now you can, after this segment, get on there and put in that promo code TJRS for um, 10% off your first order, as you were saying. Appreciate that plug there. Let's get right into sharing the screen, which I'm trying to do right now. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. These are the fixtures from the previous round. Round 11 is dead and buried. Let's talk about the Dallas Jackals and the Austin Jabronis. Oh, man. it, things just keep getting worse for Dallas. Um, I was hoping that they could put up some kind of a fight earlier on in the season. If you look at their earlier score lines, they were doing a lot better. Um, yeah, they're 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 well on their way to a winless season, fifty-five to three. They really had nothing to show for it. They also got the three points in the first half, so they were shut out in the second half. Like, yikes, dude. The only the only solace I take is I just like to to watch our former Free Jacks guys down there. Uh, yeah, you know, getting some minutes. But other than for that. Sure poor jackals man Oof. <laughs> yeah it's tough you know it's it's always it was always going to be a tough task when you're a franchise team coming in for your first year they're the only friend a new franchise in the league and yeah it's just been a rough go at and the injury bug does not help i think they had nine players in total that were affected by that bar collapse a couple weeks ago that was uh wild but uh yeah just bad luck and you know uh, it's tough. It's tough all around to be a Jackals fan right now, but hang in there Real guys, tough. you know, yeah. um, it, it can't, it's, you know, it's rock bottom right now, so it can't get too much worse. Let's talk nope. about the Gilweenies against my Houston Sabercats. You know, another tight affair between these two teams. I don't know what it is about the Sabercats that, that, you know, the Sabercats haven't been impressing me lately when I watch them play. I mean, they're okay, but you know, they, they beat the Giltinis in, in round one. And so right. everyone was like, wow, Houston might be the team this year. And then as we've talked about their trajectory, didn't go that way, but still played them very tough at, at the LA Memorial Coliseum there. Mm-hmm. So yikes, but still, Hey, LA marches towards the top of the table. And y'all already know how I feel about that. They're going to be taking down that number one spot. Watch out for them. The you Jabronis don't it. have much longer. Yeah. You hate to see it, but uh, it is what yeah. it is. You know, Gilchrist put a call in and said, what are you guys doing? And it seems like he slapped them around on the phone, and now they're back to their winning ways. Um, you hate to see it, but like I said, it is what it is, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Our buddies in Seattle were able to uh, squeak out a win against San Diego, San Diego. Yeah, yeah. Another tight uh, tight battle between these two sides. There really isn't much uh, between the two, but Seattle's found a way to hang on and barely win in, in both the encounters. They've, they beat them at San Diego and now beat them at home in Seattle, So, or wherever it is that – Tuck Willa. Yes, it's know. outside of Seattle. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, I mean, they're 2 0 against San Diego. Um, it's really looking like the one, two, three. Uh, this is my prediction Giltinis, uh, Jabronis, and then the Sea Wolves out west. That's my one, two, three out west, I think. So, yeah. You know, I, I, it's, it's hard to disagree with that right now. You know, um, I don't like either one of the Gilchrist teams, but I have a soft spot in my heart for Seattle. So it's good to see them beat um, a competitor, a close competitor to them in San Diego. Um, how about this uh, Toronto Arrows score at home against Nola Gold? Incredible. Yeah, what a tri-fest this one ended up being. Um, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, 
I was the first one to say that Toronto had absolutely no firepower, that they had no offense, and then that was their problem. They seemed to find their stride against this NOLA team. I think that there was only one point between the two sides when they played at the gold mine earlier this season, maybe one or two points. It was a very, very close game. Um, but this one, Toronto just beat the hell out of them. I, you know, we had talked about it um, last week. I said that the road trip, although not as long as going out to Seattle, was still going to be tough on NOLA. And that, you know, that clearly, maybe it wasn't the, the travel per se. I, I don't know, but a really great performance by Toronto, which has me both excited and worried. I'm excited because I think that they mm-hmm. can take out um, the semifinalists and just make mm-hmm. them not even a playoff team. But I'm worried because they're good. Like yeah. they're, they're hitting their stride and they played us pretty tight. So, mm-hmm. and we got to, we have to go up to York lions next. So I'll be there next yep. week, but you know what I mean? Very mm-hmm. soon. We're going Very up soon. there to see them. Yeah. Mid-May is, is when that game is taking place. I feel good about, I, I'm not a fan of Toronto, but it's nice to see them win at home in front of their uh, long suffering fans there. But also I just wanted to mention, you know, I predicted in the preseason on the Scrum of the Earth podcast, and I believe on ours as well, that I felt like to- Toronto was a top three team. I figured Atlanta would drop out of that and it would be uh, New Jersey, us, and then Toronto. It's looking like it's going to be Atlanta, us, and possibly Toronto um, with New Jersey looking out on the outside looking in, in my opinion, with based on their form. I think that's actually a pretty good pick right now. But um, oh, Phil, you're frozen. There you go. Can he, you got me? Yeah, I got you. Sorry. We're you good. froze on my screen for a little bit. Oh, yeah. no, no worries, pal. Uh, this game, the next one I actually did watch, Old Glory DC and Utah Warriors there in Leesburg, Virginia. Yeah, blew my perfect record right off the bat. Um, uh, you know, I wasn't upset, though. The only thing that I was upset was the wooden spoon battle between them and Dallas yes. next week has now yep. been canceled. Old Glory DC ticks over in the wind column for the first time this season. Uh, Utah had a chance at the death. They could have, it wasn't the easiest kick in the world, but put it through the sticks and Utah walks away winners. But you know, you got to be happy for DC, you know, Oh, and nine start to the season. They were at home. So they did, did, did get to do it in front of their home fans. Um, Good for them. I don't like, or really dislike uh, DC. If that really makes sense. I'm kind of like a a neutral in the truest sense with them. But it was good to see them get their first win. So I felt like a, I got to tell you, I feel like a Grinch because I don't feel that way at all. When I saw people just gushing over DC winning uh, in that fashion, I was just like, I don't care. I, I want them to lose because they're an Eastern Conference opponent and it was a Western Conference playing them. Obviously, they hadn't won at all all season. But one thing, I don't like the name. It's, it's really goofy. And they stole our color scheme, by the way. We came out with it first. If you, guys, if you check the timeline, the Free Jacks came out with red, white, and blue. And then DC, like a month or two later, came out with this uh, red, white, and blue scheme as well. So that thing, a little irks me a little bit too and they're also an eastern conference rival so i have no love for dc at all i was i was really hoping for them to be winless going into the next fixture uh with dallas so that would be kind of interesting to see who would come out on top and get their first win but they spoiled it for us unfortunately yeah Yeah. but that's uh that wraps up round 11 there speak about punching down though the one thing i didn't like about the win (laughs) was their social media guy just all caps we won yeah like come on man guy or gal whoever you're at behind the social media like Act like you act like you've been, you've there, been before. there before. Yep. Like, That's fair. Yikes. That's fair. I mean, we're, we're, we're nitpicking big time here. I mean, obviously a lot of people were just really happy for them because it was their first one of the season, but I could care less to be honest with you. Uh, all right. Round 12. That brings us into round 12. Bozo, I'll let you take over. With yeah. Your picks. This one, it, this one's actually not an easy round to pick my gut. 
you know, I was playing around with some essential oils, like rubbing them on my skin, trying to get the, trying to get the good vibes going. Uh Um, man, let me tell you this one, this round is going to be tough. Uh, Houston Sabercats playing Toronto arrows. So Toronto finally leaving York Lions. They've been on a little bit of a home stand and they have to go away to Houston. You know, I like the arrows form. So I'm going to take the arrows on the road. Uh, their total road warriors played, you know, multiple, like half of one and a half seasons completely on the road. Um, and I don't think that Houston's a top notch side, even though they just played the Giltini's pretty tight. I think that that has to be, be more about the individual systems and players when those two teams get together. And that's why they're always going to be a tight, um, tight matchup, mm-hmm. but I'm not looking too far into that. I think Toronto gets a solid away win at Houston. I agree. I'm going to hate to see it because, again, I kind of like Houston because uh, uh, i got some family there and that sort of stuff. Only rugby-specific stadium in the in the entire league, so I have a soft spot for them, but I think you're right. Toronto will take care of business there. Yeah, and then we got the NOLA Gold hosting the Jabronis. Hey, you know what? Upset alert. Oh. I'm taking NOLA Gold at home. Really? They're, they're, yep. Listen, they're back-to-back losses, Toronto and the Free Jacks. Uh, They almost, you know, they had a great match against us a couple of weeks ago. They went out and, hey, they let in a lot of points, but they also scored a lot of points. I don't think that the West is as good as the East. I don't think the Jabronis are who we think they are. And I think Nola knocks them off at home. I think Cam Dolan gets the boys and he rallies them down there. I know if if uh, Rob Hammerschmidt's listening, he's he's pumping his fists in the air. He's like, yes. So (laughs) this one's my upset alert for this is round 12. Yes, it uh, is. Uh, round yeah, 12. So this is my upset alert. So I'm going to take Nola Gold at home. I think this is going to be their first home win, and I'm picking this one. They're beating the Jabronis. Incredible. I would love to see it to a certain extent because it's the Gilchrist team, so screw them. But uh, at the same time, it's just like I, I don't see it happening. I, I, I love the confidence, but I don't see it going that way. Uh, That's let's, fair. Yeah, let's move on to Old Glory DC at home against the Dallas Jackals, the lowly Dallas Jackals. Both of these yeah. teams are lowly. Let's just be honest. Yeah, but you know what? One is actually at least turning a small bit of a corner. Yeah. Um, I think that DC um, gets it done, and I think that they do it comfortably. I think this is the one where their their leg they finally stretch their legs a little bit, mm-hmm. and it's not a really close game. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but I don't think it's going to be real close. Dallas's form. I mean, I, I hate to. Again, I hate to punch down. I'm not a pro rugby player, man. I don't, I don't know them, but man, they, they look like no better than a practice side out there right now. Um, just due to all their injury woes and, right. and all that other stuff. So I, I like like OGDC comfortably at home. Against Fair the enough. Hard to disagree with that. They're at home too. So there's going to be that home field advantage. That's right. Yep. Utah Warriors at home against Seattle Seawolves. Yeah. I don't think this one's going to be close. Utah looked very aimless and uh, didn't really couldn't get anything going against dc now again dc's form is on the up there they've been playing better uh as of late but i just don't they they didn't really play rugby with a purpose they didn't really seem to be attacking to their full potential especially seeing the people that they got in the line out are uh, not in the lineup in the line up i should say um their tries came from cheeky stuff um basically to the magic of mikey teo and so yeah. i think the seawolves have way too much defensive capability and firepower on the attack. So I see Seattle winning this one comfortably, even though they're away. I don't disagree. We'll skip over our game and go to San Diego Legion at home on their parking deck against rugby ATL Atlanta. Yeah. Battle of the black and red teams. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take the the Rattlers on the road. Um, San Diego. I don't think that they're bad, but 
to be honest with you, Chris Robshaw and Ma'ananu haven't really seemed to have made a big difference in MLR. It's mm-hmm. kind of odd. I mean, I know that they're older and hey, age catches up to us all, but mm-hmm. yeah, they just haven't really been impressive. Um, they were looking like they were going to be that top three out West, but they've fallen off, um, fallen off that ledge, I think. And I, again, I think that the East is better than the West. And so rugby atl is arguably the second best team in mlr right now behind our new england free jacks so i think that they take this one on the road yeah it's hard to disagree with that i mean san diego their top four best players three of them are like 35 plus so i mean you you can't rely on old guys to to take you over the line all the time especially in this league with all of the fixtures that there are so yeah i'm not too surprised that they're um they're on the outside looking into the playoff picture there and then finally Hoboken RFC, Rugby New Jersey <laughs> themselves against our mighty New England Free Jacks at Hoboken in New Jersey. Yeah. Who you got? You know, bottom line up front, I'm taking the Free Jacks. Mm. Um, if you'll remember from when in our in our analysis after we played the game or, or, or after they played last time, our little chat up about it, I said that we're playing this team three times and I would not be surprised if they beat yep. us once because, you know, at the time they were in good form. Man, they just got the brakes beat off of them out in Los Angeles. Um, they had the bye week just like we did. Uh, I just, they, you know, with them dropping to Toronto as well, I think that their form is on the decline and where we have kind of, I don't think we've still yet to peak. Yeah. Um, so I think we actually, we were what, like 10 points clear of them last time? Yeah, something like that. Yep. Yeah. I think we got to, I think it's going to be a similar score line. I just think we'll take our tries. A little bit better this time i think maybe even we could maybe boost a 20 point score line if we finish some of those lineouts. we were turned away quite a few times last time at the line out um yeah free jacks all day love it uh, i love the confidence i will say that i've heard from quite a few people uh this week that we they feel like we're just going to beat the brakes off of this new uh, rugby new jersey team i'm going to say pump the brakes on that this is a team that got embarrassed um, two weeks ago out in L.A. They are playing for pride on their home pitch against their biggest rival. I expect it to be a closer game than people are expecting, but I do expect our Free Jacks to win the game. Um, you know, ultimately, I think it comes down to we are a better roster. We haven't played the best rugby yet that we are capable of playing. But Rugby New Jersey is no joke, man. I don't know what happened to them out in L.A. I don't think that that is the team that we will see for the rest of the year. I think that they will get their stuff together, but they might be on the outside looking in when it all is said and done. We'll have to just yeah. wait and see on that. Well, they got Nick's, uh, Nick Savetta back, and didn't they yep. just sign, like, Wasaki Naholo? So yes, they did. They've, they've, uh, they've brought in some caps. people. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. He's an all-black. So, I mean, it, yep. it, you know, they're dangerous. They understand that, um, you know, they've had some bad form, and they really want to correct it. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. Um, I, I feel good about us winning, but I think it's going to be closer than people are predicting. In fact, I'll go ahead and say it's going to be a nail biter down there in Hoboken, and hopefully we come out on top. Yeah, I can't argue with that. It, it could be close, but I'm hoping that it's free jacks by Fody. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Um, yeah, Chris, this has been awesome. Thank you, appreciate it, Brozo. Um, got anything before we head on out? Yeah, just can't wait to see everybody out at uh Fort Union Point in a couple of weeks. I will not be making the trip to Hoboken. I look forward to seeing you all again soon. Get some storm along. If you're there at Fort Union Point, you're going to be by yourself. Remember, we're going to Fort Quincy, oh baby. Goodness. Did I say Union Point? You did. Oh, my yeah. goodness. It's all right, man. Get, it happens. Get into 2022, will I? Jeez. <laughs> Stuck in the past. Uh, love the shirt. <laughs> love the hat. Uh, and we'll go ahead and say in three, 
two, one, huzzah. Huzzah. Woo. Woo. Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I am joined as always by David McVeigh. Uh, Outrider Dave is here with us. But in addition to Outrider Dave, we've got a very special guest. He is the record holder currently for Free Jacks personnel on this show in terms of appearances. It is Tom Kindly. TK, how the hell are you? Yeah, great. Thanks, Chins. Great, great intro, per usual. And yeah, thanks for your patience waiting for me to, to stumble onto this call. And yeah, great to be back. No, we're happy to have you, man. We always enjoy you being on here. You're the performance director of the Free Jacks. Let's get right into it. You have a record for most appearances, as I've mentioned. But for the Rangers out there that may not have you know, seen your previous uh, uh, appearances on the show, give us a rundown of your personal and rugby background, please. Yeah, my, my personal background was pretty pretty limited, uh, really. Uh, I played rugby sort of since I was about, about 10 and, and found out pretty quickly that I wasn't very good at it. Uh, <laughs> not for the lack of trying, but um, I played in New Zealand, obviously, from, from where I was born and raised and um, found myself on the wrong side of a few collisions with uh, some big Polynesian boys early on. And uh, so my, my career in rugby kind of got serious when at the end of university, uh, a lot of my friends were playing professionally. I still love the sport and followed it avidly. Uh, and at the end of my degree, I took a performance analysis internship with the Highlanders, followed by a strength and conditioning internship with the Targo Rugby, uh, and then took a um, internship with the, with the hoodie I'm wearing now, Dartmouth uh, College, with their strength and conditioning program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it sort of snowballed after that and i've been lucky enough to go to the 2019 rugby world cup uh with usa be, be involved with usa's national team a little bit with analytics and strength and conditioning uh and then have found myself in a performance director role with the free jacks where primarily my, my roles and responsibilities is sort of that of a general manager mm-hmm. um yeah and all, all those those parts that sort of come with with that terrain so yeah that's sort of how i guess i've found myself lucky enough to be speaking to you two tonight <laughs> very good very good you know uh, for everybody that's playing at home make sure you check your box for dartmouth connection there's another one right there with uh with dartmouth huh <laughs> um so you're very much in season at this point walk us through a day in the life of tom kindly the performance director of the free jacks when you're in season like this what are you doing on a daily basis yeah yeah, I think we're, we're talking about it tonight. I was out for dinner with Scott, the head coach, and his wife and my wife, and just chatting about it. Where, what are we now? We're ten. Well, I guess ten weeks in. Uh, we've got seven weeks to go of the regular season, mm-hmm. um, plus all the all the preseason weeks and stuff like that. But yeah, I guess my role now is a lot more ma- managing people uh, than it than it has been. Uh, we've got a lot more people, a lot more staff. Um, and we're seeing like a, a lot more professional, a lot more of a professional product, I should say. Um, so now, now my job is a lot more managing, you know, our uh, analysis department, the couple of staff within that department, and the strength and conditioning department, and uh, the a couple other managerial um, personnel within the team that, that work with me and the, the coaches, and making sure it all works together, and and try to identify the pressure points and, and where we can be. Um, you know, operating at a higher level and, and different things like that. So it's a lot of that, a lot more of that than it ever has has been, mm-hmm. which is cool. So, yeah, that, that can free me up sometimes. So at trainings, instead of holding a camera and stuff like that, maybe I'm being able to be a step ahead and, and uh, evaluating our, our player uh, player group and, you know, needs we might have cup coming up and different things like that, I guess. 
these days, yeah. Very good. Before the next question, I just wanted to show off my Storm Along unfiltered here. Um, you can find this at the Free Jacks Games at Fort Quincy. Highly recommend you pick this up. It's only for $5, guys. So make sure you get your delicious unfiltered Storm Along at the games. Uh, next question here, uh, TK. We have seen that Dallas is a frequent trade partner with the Jacks. Is that just coincidence or does Dallas just answer the phone more frequently than other teams? How does that work? Yeah, great question. Um, <laughs> uh, no, Elaine's uh, like a, a lovely person, uh, like a definitely a friend, a friend of mine. Like we've been in conversation since Dallas came into the picture a couple of years ago, and I think it's a shame that they didn't put together, weren't able to put together that team that they had recruited in that first year, where they had Bian, they had Tuadraki, they had Adrian Boyson. I think that would have been a really competitive team. And I think just through nature of everything that's happened, unfortunately, it's meant that they're, they're less competitive than they probably would have been had they got in that first year. Um, and probably due to that, they've they've had some well, and and visas not not going through, and some different um, circumstances that have played out. They they just probably aren't as competitive as they need to be, mm-hmm. or could have been. So yeah, I guess like we we recruited quite deep um we had quite a big player pool um that we we had for the 2022 season mm-hmm. so for that reason when we had a couple of guys who were either a just not quite getting and i think in both of those scenarios they were mutually benefiting decisions so i wouldn't be super comfortable sending someone away if it wasn't the right thing for them too so right. because it was going to be better for them and they're, they're playing or their career and uh their you know desire to get playing time and for us um and whatever decisions we need, needed to make to you know best benefit the team in those scenarios it was just the right decision so we were yeah that, i guess that's how it played out yeah, it makes sense. Uh, you know, if somebody's willing to give you certain things and you're willing to give up certain things, it all works out, right? Uh, speaking of trades, last month, the Jacks got an additional international roster spot in a trade with Dallas, which brings the Jacks to a league-tied high of 12 in total. What was your thought process about acquiring international another international roster spot? Yeah, so we, um, I think we started the year with and I don't know, Dave, I was no Dave probably knows these details better than me, some weird thing, <laughs> but like four, 14 foreigners potentially um, with 11 for, or like a plan of getting to 11 foreign spots, which would mean that you've got three guys, three foreigners in any week who aren't playing, which I think is a really healthy thing because, you know, there's competition for foreign players now. It's mm-hmm. not like, hey, you're a foreign player, you're of quality, you're mm-hmm. going to be playing every week. It's not like that. It's like, hey, you've got to still be performing and, you know, there's no guarantee that we even use all of our foreign quota. Um, but I think when we when we added Vian and whatever way it, it worked out and, like, we've got, obviously got a, you know, a couple, we're, we're quite deep in some positions like prop, which is important too because you never know what could happen in any one weekend. So... Mm-hmm. For that reason, it was like, hey, we've got 15 foreigners. Let's see if we can get ourselves to, you know, up to, up to 12. And, you know, obviously that's going to increase our competitiveness um, by by being able to field that many foreigners. Um, and, yeah, obviously there's, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. But we also feel like we're doing a good job of developing some some quality domestic players like yes. Zach Bashford, Cam Bavidowitz, obviously mm-hmm. Kyle who uh, all those guys have stood up and, you know, proved that, hey, I can actually start at this level. 
Yeah, I, ultimately, you know, a couple of weeks back, we had on uh, John Fitzpatrick, or excuse me, Fitzgerald, um, who is the DC Homer uh, that you know is a, a big fan of this show, and we enjoy his work at the Rugby Morning. And he was trying to throw shade at the idea of having twelve international roster spots. But I said, listen, man, I mean, we, we're developing American talent here at the Free Jacks, but also I think TK realizes this team is very talented, and we can go all the way. So might as well have twelve. You know what I mean? Why not? Um, so the uh, reacquisition of Conradi, tell me about that. Yeah. So, uh, his agent actually reached out to us. Uh, obviously we like, I keep, we all keep it up to date with, you know, Gloucester's 23 who are playing that week. Um, and obviously we're saying that, well, pretty much it came down to three things that for, for poor Vian, whereby, uh, he had a family, a close family member who passed away. So that meant time out of the country. Uh, then he had to go and, um, I guess, prove his, reprove his case for, for Namibia and their, um, you know, attempts to get into the Rugby World Cup. So that was more time away from the Gloucester program. And then he picked up a, a really minor foot injury. So between all of those three fit things, it was sort of six months had passed and he wasn't able to string together a really good training period mm-hmm. and wasn't able to thereby, you know, push his case into the team. So um, he had a one-year contract and I think he could see that most likely I'm probably not going to get recontracted here in a couple of months when that when this process um, comes to fruition. So his agent reached out and said, hey, would you guys be interested? Uh, and then obviously, you know, we, we knew he was a great fit for us. He's a, obviously one of the most talented players in the, in the competition last year. Yep. Uh, and well, as you guys know, we're trying to build over a period of time for the long term. So mm-hmm. he was someone that we wanted to have involved for the long term here. And yeah, we were keen to find a find a way to make it work. So yeah, that's how it happened. The Ultimate Warriors back. I know we're all super excited about that. Let's talk about Jesse Peretti for a second. He's a great, you know, he's got a great rugby resume, but was sidelined for the most part at the start of the season. What has his impact been in the locker room and now on the pitch for the Jacks? Yeah, Jesse. Um, yeah, obviously. So he's coming off a pretty significant knee and hamstring injury. Um, and it probably took slightly longer to get back from that than everyone thought it, it would. Mm-hmm. And it'd be fair to say. Um, but obviously he adds another dimension for us. He's played lock and, you know, six and eight at super rugby level. Um, so for us, his aerial ability is going to be really important. I think heading into mm-hmm. this next seven games, obviously he could slide up to the second row if he had to, but more importantly, he's just a great line out option. And I think particularly at line out time, even when injured, um, he's been giving a lot of, you know, really powerful insight throughout training weeks. Obviously, I, I don't know a huge amount about that area of the game, but, you know, just, just listening to all the conversations, he's really um, commanding and um, boys listen to him. And, um, yeah, I, th- I think now he's, he's healthy and really excited to string some games together and, and show us what he's capable of. Very good. We're excited to see him. And, you know, I think he has a huge impact uh, on this this team going forward because you can kind of – he's a versatile guy and he's just – he's one hell of a player, that's for sure. He likes to get into it. He, he sticks his face in the fan for sure in games. I've noticed that. Um, these two are kind of off of the deep end here. So, you know, if you need to go ahead and just say no comment, no big deal. Uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but Jack Reeves, I believe, is the first international loan deal the Free Jacks have ever done. Um how does something like this come about? And are there stipulations that have uh, that have basically it's a two year deal? I understand that. So are there stipulations that this deal could not be in place going forward if we don't meet certain criteria? 
Yeah, so, uh, yeah, good question. The way it worked out is he's represented by a um, big sports agency company called Esports Thief, and they said, hey, we've got this player uh, called Jack Reeves. We think he's Canadian eligible. He's not getting a huge amount of playing time. It would be potentially, would this be something you'd be interested in? And then we just went back and forth with his agency a couple of times and and then, you know, worked out, hey, we would be interested in sort of a, you know, split um, annual um, type deal where, where you know, they hold on to his rights. He's still a homegrown player um, within the premiership and uh, whatever they receive for that, they continue to receive. Um, and the, the only real stipulations are that we provide him with um, appropriate medical care. So if he went back and he picked up an injury, we'd be liable for any costs if, it, if there was surgical or anything like that. Um, and if he was to get a full premiership gig in the future, that would probably mean that he wouldn't return for the, you know, second year of two. Right. Um, so yeah, like it's a really awesome, awesome deal, awesome agreement for both all three parties, really. Like he's going to go back a better player for Gloucester. Uh, for him, he gets to experience something completely different, play more than he has been. Right. Um, and yeah, he, he's loving it over here and, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, we've been really happy with him as well and the way he's fitted in. So, yeah, definitely a really innovative um, thing and, yeah, hopefully something we'll see more of moving forward. Speaking of, um, everybody put your tinfoil hat on for this one. So um, let's say a big-time international club approached the Jacks to have New England as a feeder club that loaned in high-potential youngsters to play for the Jacks and in return had first rights to bring over any ta talent that New England develops. Is that something that would be interesting to you or the Free Jacks organization as a whole? Yeah, we, we've um, we've had some conversations with um, well, recently actually, super, like some Super Rugby teams um, in particular um, about like yeah, different ways because we bring. I guess every team's got say what between six to twelve foreign players a year, mm -hmm. and it's sort of like potentially you could you could better um, yeah, I guess create a create a scheme whereby you've got more consistency and where your players are coming from and you know mm -hmm. that they, they understand like where they're going and, and what it looks like and even say a super rugby team could be like hey as part of a three-year deal the first couple of years like you guys are alluding to you're going to go yeah. and play for the free jacks and, and that's sort of where we are mm -hmm. as you guys have said in previous episodes that's sort of where we are at the moment we're looking at those guys who are not quite super rugby level or not right. quite premiership level or starting every week anyway um at, at those levels and um yeah i think it's it's definitely something where there's some merit and it's probably just the only thing that's holding it back is that we're looking for the very best players or the very best fits in any one year and it's kind of ends up being one player as as you guys have seen there are some teams that have like a real heavy bias towards one nationality whereas we've never quite been that way we've always right. kind of been of the mindset of if, if they were a good person and the best player in their position you know, who's to say we need to get New Zealand players? Like, right. it might be a Namibian or, a, you know, an Englishman or whomever that is the a better fit for us. So, yeah, we're just kind of ironing out those little things. But I wouldn't be surprised if in the next year or two there is something like that that firms up. Very good. Very good. I feel good about that. That's like a, that's like a, a FIFA football manager type of question there. So I appreciate you entertaining that. Uh, Dave, take it away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> TK, the Free Jacks have... Uh, been off to just a fantastic start, eight and one to open the season. Um, what is one thing that's been a challenge 
on or off the field that you guys have had to overcome as an organization? And what's one big challenge that's still ahead of you as uh, you look sort of at the second half of the season? Yeah, um, I think, I guess, thinking back to that episode that the last one I did with you guys, we were talking about like whether our head coach was even going to get in the country and <laughs> whether our players were even going to get in the country. And now, now looking back to some of those players, like LaRue Milan was in Mexico, Tavita Sole was in Fiji, and I, we didn't know if we were, we were ever going to get him in. And I was about ready to be like, hey, maybe it, maybe it's just not meant to be, you know? Um so, uh, like, I think we've we had to fight some some massive adversity to get everyone into the country, and obviously Mike Rogers has got he's actually flying over and picking him up tomorrow morning with uh, two of his two of his three kids, um, and so you know he's been without them. Scott's uh, here with a newborn and his wife, and I think th- those two have done a, f- a fantastic job of. Um, they, they've said it, said it quite aptly to me that they didn't really have to build a culture. The culture was already here. They just had to, you know, get their paintbrush and add their touches to it. And I think they've done a great job of that. Um, and the players have really responded to them. They haven't tried to be anything that we're not or that they're not. Um, so, like, I think that's been awesome to see. And I think that's definitely probably the, been the thing I've been most proud of. What was the second part of your question? Sorry, Dave. <laughs> uh, just what's ahead. So looking at yeah. the you know remainder of the season, what's a, a significant challenge? I know Coach Matthew was talking about building brick by brick and really focusing on you know just doing the next thing correctly and step by step. But kind of zooming out, what do you see as one of the big challenges finishing up uh, the regular season? Yeah, yeah, no, good, good question. Yeah, like I don't think probably as as positive as everyone's outlook was, like to be eight and one now is, um, yeah, like obviously we're massively happy with that. Uh, but there's a lot of rugby left to be played, and there's some quality teams to play. Eh? So, you know, like I think if we lose, if we were to lose a game or two, like I think it's really important that we don't lose sight of you know how well we're going. I think it's all about trends in this competition. I think. We're really um, happy with the group of players we've got, the direction we're going in. And, you know, even if you, you pick up a poor result at some point, like that, that's okay. It's, it's about that trend. So I think it's really important that we keep focusing on what we have been, which has just been ourselves and that trend. And the results have just sort of happened as a byproduct. It's just sort of been like, oh, shit, we won again. Shit, we managed to win again. So, yeah, I think, I think you know, we, we've got high aspirations. Like, like Phil said, we want to go deep into this competition this year. Um, but it's important that we just, you know, you don't get too emotionally involved. You just focus on each other, your relationships and your trajectory. Excellent. Um, next question is about one player in particular, new signing this year, who has just had a fantastic season. Um, did you, with all your scouting and doing all the legwork, expect Slade McDowell to dominate the level he has dominated in this league leading the league in tackles you know up until this you know bye week number uh he was fourth i think tied with a few people fourth for tries um were you expecting that level of performance right out of the gate from him uh or were are you even you a little bit surprised at just the energy and tenacity that he's brought to the free jacks team this season yeah i've, I've definitely been really really impressed with with Slade um I, I was told by a couple of people like you know Ewan Brumwell obviously has worked with him most recently at Otago being their head SNC Ryan Martin as well and the last couple 
but I think probably three years I've been trying to get Slade over for now. And he's just been so close to Super Rugby. Or I think last year, or 2020 at least, he was in the Highlanders squad and travelled to South Africa. Um, so, yeah, I, I knew, you know, based off those conversations with the people who had worked with him recently, I knew he was going to be really good. But, I mean, he, he has definitely impressed me with just his, you know, you like you said, his tenacity every single week and probably even, even more than that, um, he's a really good leader like within our leadership meetings you know he turns up with you know a big page of notes and everything he wants to work through and areas he thinks we can improve in so you know like I think it's so important that you've got players who want to keep bettering themselves and really care about the team and he's definitely in both of those things so I've been really really impressed with that and yeah he's obviously been a been an awesome addition to our group eh? yeah he's been a lot of fun to watch on top of that just just yeah. a really, really great guy. Always has a big smile in those man of the match moments, which, you know, are, uh, you just want to kind of get, get back with your, your team and spend time with the guys you just won with. And, and, uh, I don't know. He's, he's a really, he's a real treat, whether he's talking to a sideline reporter or he's out there laying guys out. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, Tell us a little bit about your bye week. It looked like you got to travel around a little bit and do some New England sightseeing. Um, what were you up to? Yeah, it was an awesome, awesome week. So I went up to, I think, did a little bit of some some work, catching up on stuff the first couple of days. And then uh, I took you and Bromwell. My wife was uh, as a school teacher uh, in Quincy, so uh, she was working until Friday. So I took Ewan up to, uh, we went to see Mags up in Hanover, uh, caught up with him for a little bit. Um, and then we went across to Burlington and that just so happened to be that Scott and uh, his wife and little one were actually at the same hotel as us and we didn't even plan it to be that way. <laughs> uh, so we went, yeah, went out for dinner, checked out a couple of breweries up there. Uh, and then I headed up later in the week to Maine to um, Bar Harbor. Uh, with with my wife and yeah we had a great time up there checking out that the, we did the beehive um, the famed walk up there and uh, you know did, did some of the classic things up there so it was yeah awesome to check out a bit more of what is such an awesome area and we're so you know lucky to live and work and operate within such a cool area and represent a day so I'm looking at your uh, Phil your your logo now with the new I always use it within all of my presentations the <laughs> fall of New England so yeah yeah, yeah yeah you went all yeah. over the place huh look at this map here you were everywhere whoop there we go you were there you were there you were there yep <laughs> yeah get to do your weatherman impression working with the green screen <laughs> right right um we tough with the guy from rugby morning he was like oh you're gonna take over uh uh, whatever he said, uh, New yeah, York. New York and New oh, Jersey yeah. and Pennsylvania. Yeah, ugh, ugh, I do ugh. think New York's so big that we should nearly stake a claim. I've thought, like, you know, it goes nearly into our area. Like, we should actually take back some of New um, New York, like upstate New York. <laughs> yes, upstate New York for sure. Those people exactly. have no connection whatsoever to New York City. They're more New England than they are us, or <laughs> them rather. You know, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, so you got to see a ton in New England. I, I love hearing um, about all that travel. Do you think that those opportunities just to get around uh, the local area and to travel around the, the country are um, something that enhances the prospect for overseas players to come and play in Major League Rugby? Is that something that you 
even bring up and talk to guys about when you're working on getting somebody signed? Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely hugely appealing. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a six-month season, which I think, you know, that's perfect, um, particularly when compared to some of the Northern Hemisphere competitions, which is so long and brutal. Like, even when I was talking to someone about it the other day, the Pro D2 season is like 33 games or 30 games, which is just like, we've got 16, I think, well, what is it, 15, 16? Like, it's just crazy difference. So, that, that's a big draw for guys like you know there's not going to be that much toll on their their body and they're not concerned about that but i think it's just that the product's going to be better if you've got a you know like a a more you know better better picture a better seasonal picture for them and then yeah like you said like you get to play in la one week then you're in boston then you're in new york then you're in dc then you're in seattle like i think that's just such a massive appeal the travel is awesome but it's not too ridiculous you get a couple of seven-hour flights, but you know it's not it's not that ridiculous. So, yeah, it's a massive appeal for guys. And um, on the other side of that coin, I think that the toughest part at the moment is the fact that it is six months. Because you know, if it was contracting guys for ten or eleven months, you know, then I think you'd, you know, regardless of salaries, you'd have a real crack at getting just about, you know, a lot. Yeah, there'd be very few players that you couldn't get. Only those that are playing at the, the real the, the top tier making top dollar wages. So yeah, that that's the, the next thing now is working out like every single player you nearly need to map out right. Like, you know, someone like Zach Bastry is okay, he could really benefit from six months of being involved with high quality rugby somewhere else in the world. And then maybe someone wants to work needs to work as a carpenter and like train locally just two mornings a week with us over the off season and then your six guys are uh, playing professionally elsewhere. And so you've nearly got to map out a roadmap. And I think there's nearly a role within each of these organizations now to, to look after each player's future and map out their future for them and help them with that process. Like, okay, sweet. We'll finish your degree or you're going to do your master, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. I really like hearing about that, you know, the support systems for the players. I think it's such a huge part of it. Um, both, you know, the culture and the community, uh, but also just the mechanics are really interesting of what, you know, diff the different needs for different guys in terms of development and, and their work life and looking towards careers after rugby. Um, so moving into uh, the sort of immediate future with New York coming up, uh, the big news going into this match is their signing of Waisaki Naholo who was part of the 2015 World Cup winning All Black side, also won Super Rugby with the Highlanders that year. Pretty good year. Um, you, if I have my timing right, you were in college then, uh, probably glued to the TV when those, you know, the All Blacks were making that run. Um, what stands out to you about Waisaki as a wing, uh, as a player, and how big is this acquisition for New York? Yeah, they uh, at Forsyth Bar, one of the most famous, or at Forsyth Bar Stadium, which is where the Hollanders play, one of the most famous chances, the Waisaki Naholo one, which started, and they've got a zoo section, which is like the student section, and they just be like, Waisaki Naholo, and they just do that on repeat, like everyone would do that on repeat. So uh, that was in 2015 when he went like ballistic, as you guys said. So um, yeah, I, rem I re definitely remember that, remember that, and um, I think it's an awesome thing for the league that, that he's coming over. Like, I guess there's been, there have been players like it before, haven't there? Like, but he's probably just a bit younger than like a Rob Shaw and a, 
Ben Foden and Andy Ellis and even Ma Nonu when he first came over was probably what, like 32, 33, like Waisaki's only 30. So that's, that's pretty awesome. But um, it's not like a super unrealistic one because he was with the Crusaders and Super Rugby um, training with them. But then I think he was surplus to requirements. Obviously, the big thing about him is he's come off a couple of like huge knee injuries. And so it's just whether or not, you know, he can, like people have commented, whether or not he can stay healthy. But he seemed to show that he, he, he well, he did it for Canterbury um, for, by and large, um, during the last NPC season. So, like, yeah, he's going to be a real force to be reckoned with. Um, we've just got to hope that he's only just come off a plane on Thursday last week. So uh, whether or not that's, you know, he's had enough time to kind of work things out or whether they even roster him, I, I, I kind of feel like they probably will. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that's all right. We've got some threats of our own, so we'll be all good, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, just, you know, just a little bit of film for people to look at. Tackling somebody like that out there in the loose, you want to kind of know what you're dealing with. Um, my last question, this one's a little bit more fun. Uh, say you've got an old-school club rugby road trip coming up. It's going to be three-hour drive each way. You're carpooling. you got to put three players – you could pick. You could pick one coach in the mix if you want, uh, or office guy. But you got three people from the team who you're putting in your car. Uh, who are you picking, and why? Well, okay. Um, yeah, there's a lot of good, a lot of good ones you could you could go for here. Um, so yeah, we talked about one of them before, but I think Slade, someone you've got to have with you just because he's sort of the heart and soul of your group, isn't he? So if you've got Slades, you're going you're gonna to have a good time. You're going to be well looked after in case anything goes wrong. You put shit to the wrong person at a gas station or something, he'll have your back. Um, uh, and then it's tough, tough to look. You'd either go JP or Wax, but um, I'm going to go JP um, just because, you know, he's – He's been uh, such an awesome part of this for so long and uh, he's also quite funny and he's always talking shit in the background and no one can quite make out what he's saying. Uh, <laughs> he can be in the back seat and then we'll take the skipper, Josh Larson, as well. Excellent. That's a good crew. I like that. For a staff member, I don't know. It'll either be, oh, they'd all go good. They'd all go good. But let's put Young Wheels in as well. <laughs> Oh, I don't know if you'll know a moment of peace uh, with wheels there, but it'll be fun the whole way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I, he said you guys are chatting to him on uh, Wednesday night, eh, this week. So that's that'll true. Be, yep. Yeah. That's it. Yep. We'll have him on. Yeah. Well, that that's that's it for me. Thank you so much. I'm sure Phil has a couple more things, but uh, this has been great. Really fun to talk to you, TK, as always. Uh, cheers, Dave. Thanks again for your patience, man, and staying up on it. It's too late, but... <laughs> Let's get to get let's get to one word association before we get you out of here. The first one here is Union Point. Beginnings. Willsey. Uh, <laughs> like oh, like full noise, full noise, full noise. <laughs> Wallabies. Mm, painful. <laughs> uh, Josh Larson. Skipper. Highlanders. 
Southern men. The last one is the first regiment. Biscans and the comp. I agree. And you will see us at the uh, Hoboken game. Of course, we will be there loud and proud. Um, yeah, should be a good time. So TK, I'm going to open up the floor to you to speak to our fans out there. Um, what do you got to say? Yeah, no, well, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Um, we, we really, yeah, appreciate your, your support. I, I genuinely feel like we're probably the a team that has the, the tightest affinity between the community and the fan base. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Max doesn't like to use the word fan base. I kind of agree with him because it kind of nearly devalues um, what, what it's about and like everyone's on the same living the same you know um level of ground i guess so mm-hmm. yeah it honestly makes such a massive difference to, to run out onto veterans memorial stadium and have have uh, all the supporters get behind us and i know like it, it it honestly turns games around and we win games because of the supporters and i i think we've got a real point of difference to to any other team in the league and i, I honestly mean that so i know the boys uh, feel the same way and you know um, get behind us for this these last seven games and um, you know, hopefully a couple of home playoffs as well. Um, yeah. in the future. Absolutely. This has been a really good one, TK. I appreciate your time very much. We got one word to get the hell out of here in three, two, one. Huzzah! Huzzah! Woo! Huzzah, Rangers. This is Phil Harris again here at the Jacks Rangers show. I am joined as always by David McVeigh. Dave, how the hell are you? I am doing fantastic, Phil. Had a restful week off of rugby duty mm-hmm. and looking forward to uh, watching the Free Jacks get back into it this upcoming week. Yeah, the Jacks are rested, rested and recovered. I saw a couple of them were watching the Boston Marathon as it happened uh, today, so that's pretty exciting. Yeah, um, this is kind of getting into the nitty-gritty of the season, right? We're, we're over the midseason hump, essentially, for our Free Jacks in terms of games remaining. Um you know, it's all it's all business at this point. The Jacks have had a magical start to the season. There's no doubt about it. Eight and one is almost perfect, right? I mean, if you're if you're nine and one, you're feeling even better. But I mean, you can't feel too bad. It's like an A minus or a solid A, because we're gonna get into we were gonna get into the report cards uh, later on in this episode. But just in general, I feel really really good about this team. But now they have to kind of get into another mindset or switch into a different gear here. You know, they've really made this thing you know very interesting for themselves, where they're in the playoff hunt. Everybody understands this is probably the best team in MLR right now. You know, some people are going to have some grumblings about the Gilweenies or the uh, Jabronis or Atlanta. But, um, you know, the Jacks have beaten two out of those three teams, and we almost beat the other one um, away from home down there in L.A. Um, uh, in the form of the Gilweenies. So it, it feels good to be good, I guess, is a, is a good way to put that. Uh, it just certainly to summarize does. It, you know. Um, yeah. we've, we've had a really magical season so far and I don't see this team slowing down. How do you feel? Yeah, I feel about the same. Uh, um, I think that we have been one of the most consistent teams in the league. We haven't played perfectly every game, but, um, we've brought a really consistent game plan and execution. Mm-hmm. Um, and our performance level, obviously to, to be eight and one, and that one game we lost, we lost by four points. You know, it was a very narrow yes. uh, loss. So, I mean, that really speaks to the effectiveness of the Free Jacks team mm-hmm. over that, you yeah. know, nine game, 10 week period. 
Yeah, a great showing against the team that we we lost to, the only one that we've lost to so far uh, by that slim margin. Not exactly a 43 to 0 beatdown or anything like that. <laughs> no. 19 to 15, I believe, if I have the score correct. Yep. Uh and speaking of a beatdown to LA, let's transition to our opponent. Now, this is of course the New Jersey preview and some people are going to say, "Oh, they're still calling them New Jersey. Can't they be a little bit more, I don't know, authentic or um, more expert level type of analysis? No, no. Yeah, we're we're going to well, continue th- to call them. They're still playing in Hoboken. So. Exactly. So we're technically correct. Um, That's right. But yeah, so, you know, just in case people thought maybe w- with our sponsorship, maybe we would be changing things up a little bit in that respect. No, no, right. it's definitely going to stay rugby, New Jersey for the foreseeable future. <laughs> um, so let's talk about rugby, New Jersey. Uh, they are currently fourth in the Eastern conference, which is a great, it, it sounds so good, right? Uh, that they're it's where fourth. we like them. Yeah, exactly. We want them uh, arms distance away. Um, let's see here in the Eastern conference standings uh, behind third place, Toronto, they're even on points with uh, a game in hand, six wins and three losses with 217 points for and uh, points against is 211, which is a point differential of only six. Now, compared to our free jacks, it's like a galaxy away um, apart from that. So uh, there are some very confident jacks founds out there that are thinking that New England is going to take take New Jersey to the woodshed, essentially, in this upcoming game away from home in Hoboken, New Jersey. Um, you know, I, I'm very confident obviously in the beginning of this segment talking about the free jacks but i'm going to say hold the brakes or pump the brakes on that i'm not too sure this is going to be some sort of huge victory as i have an eyelash in my eye i believe it's scott <laughs> ferrara actually uh uh okay um so yeah that, that i think that's scott ferrara just uh poking at me a little bit there with a, a he's getting goal. you he sure is um ultimately you know this is a team in new jersey that have their backs against the wall They're on the outside looking in in the playoffs currently. I understand they have a game in hand and all that fun stuff, but they're currently fourth. And Toronto, who's kind of surging right now, and I predicted that they would at the beginning of the season, if you recall. I figured that they would be in the mix here. And it's I don't want to say I'm happy for them, but I'm glad to see New Jersey is down a peg um, with their their current form. But here's the thing. Um, They're a team that got embarrassed away from home against L.A., um, they're coming off of that awful uh, loss. They've made a couple signings, and we'll get into that in a moment. But this is a team that really has to prove themselves. Their form is dipped. They're playing their biggest rival. And I don't give a damn what they say. New England and New Jersey are the biggest rivals in Major League Rugby. I don't, you know, they, they want to make the L.A. New Jersey thing happen. I, I'm selling that 100%. Um, They're the biggest markets, obviously, but in terms of tradition, historic, these two teams are like this. They don't like each other. The people don't really like each other either. Uh, We live in the same area, but it is very different. No New Yorker would ever say that I'm a New Englander and vice versa. It's just it's just a different place. Um, So what are your thoughts initially about this matchup? Um. Yeah, my notes just say good good teams can be dangerous coming off of a hard loss like right. they are coming off of. Uh, you're right to say that the players are going to feel um, on the spot and like they really need to, to come out swinging. Um, and to me, what that means is that it's just even more important that we maintain control from the beginning of the match. 
we want to, in the first 10 minutes, we want to make them feel like they're right back where they left off against LA, right? Mm -hmm. Carry that feeling over. Um, because, you know, they come out and they score a try or two in the first 10 or, or 15 minutes, and they're probably going to start, um, you know, really feeling like a turnaround, just, just a little bit of sports psychology, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to really try to control things from the beginning, um, be very physical when they're on attack. We know that they like to play that line break, offload rugby. They have some really skilled just very savvy players. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's going to be important for us to minimize their opportunities um, right out of the gate and uh, establish the game management and the match control that we we've been really good at this season. So, I mean, I think that we're in with the right team to do it, mm -hmm. um, but it is going to be necessary against a team that is looking to bounce back, you know, like a, like a wrestler bouncing off the ropes, you know, you yes. got to really look for look out because they're going to be bringing a lot of energy. Um, ultimately, you know, this is a situation where, you know, it's a big market team. So after they got their butt whipped against LA, you, you got some, some um, retentions and uh, a signing coming in that they, you know, trying to make, you know, beat the news cycle, right? They got right. Nick Savetta coming back from Oxford, who, by the way, is a USA capped uh, lock, who's fantastic, um, a veteran presence for that team for sure. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, by the way, they've signed a New Zealand, uh, New Zealand All Black in the name of Waseki Nahalo. Um, yes. I think he's got what like 26 caps for New Zealand. They just don't give those things out, Dave, over there in New Zealand. You got to really earn those. No, no, that you absolutely do. And he uh, he won the 2015 World Cup with New Zealand. He's mm -hmm. a very accomplished player, um, part of a group, a playing group in New Zealand that was very, very good. Um, and he has, as you know, we talked with TK about a little bit. He's had some injuries that that got him uh, sidelined and he had he's been kind of kind of playing his way back up into super rugby but he's still young he's in mm -hmm. his he's 30 or 31 right um so this is he is not in that category of over the hill superstars that right. you see in in some uh big splashy signings where it's you know it's as much a name and some marketing mm -hmm. as it is somebody who's going to produce a week in and week out. I think he is going to be a producer for them in New York. Um, he's not just a big name and uh, it's exciting. I, 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 I'm not going to be able to make it this weekend out to New York. I really wish I, I could because uh, you know, I'd expect him to play and he'd, he'd be a really fun player to watch play in person. Yeah, I'll be making the trip down to New Jersey with uh, some of the First Regiment, the Expeditionary Forces, as we've been calling ourselves, uh, a cheeky little uh, nickname for the folks that are that are be uh, heading down to the away games uh, all year long for the Free Jacks. So, yeah, super excited. You know, this this is a guy, as you're saying, you know, he's like 30 or 31 years old, you know, riddled by injury, but that doesn't mean he's an old man or anything like that. He's not long in the tooth. He's really in the prime of his career as long as he doesn't, you know, have the injury bug going forward. Um, it's not a victory lap. Uh, this guy's coming to play and he's going to have a huge impact on this game if he does play. That experience and that skill level um, I'm sure will be on display against the Free Jackson. It's something that they need to be concerned about for sure. I mean, um, you know, we talked about it in the preseason that New Jersey is a team that got better along with the Free Jacks. They're not a stagnant team like uh, NOLA, if you will, or DC. These guys really 
uh, improve their roster, one of which uh, was a guy that was kind of flirting with the Free Jacks in Sam Windsor, who ended up going to New York instead of New England, or excuse me, New Jersey, how dare I, um, over um, staying in Houston and, and going through that rebuild with them. Uh, this is a guy that is uh, deadly um, on the kicking tee if he will be playing. So um, it's, an, it's another storyline to so many storylines. This is rivalry week. We, they, we don't like them. They don't like us. I mean, there's so much of that already. But to bring these kind of stories into it, by the way, we embarrass them. I don't care what Scott said. I mean, Scott, you know, God bless him, is talking about how it was a close game. Listen, it, the last 20 minutes, the Free Jacks absolutely stomped on their heads. Um, yeah. And, you know, they got a garbage time try to make it a little bit more respectable. But I left there thinking, man, this is exactly what you want to see in a rivalry game. You absolutely buried them and then laid them in it. Um, and I felt, you know, and I don't want to say that this is ominous or anything like that, but I was like, I really want to savor this moment because I don't know if it's exactly going to go down the same way or anything close to that in this upcoming game that we have on April the 24th down there in Hoboken. Um and that's, I think that reflects in my pick and my key to the game. Um, so we'll kind of transition right now. Uh, ultimately, it's going to come down to squeaky bum time again uh, with this this uh, phrase that I use from, uh, it's, it's from uh, Manchester United's uh, famed manager, Sir Alex Ferguson. I think he's the first one that coined that, just saying it, it, you're going to have to leave it late, essentially. It's going to be um, a real late uh nail biter situation so what do you got yeah. for uh we'll go to key to the game first and then we'll go to predictions uh yeah my so my key to the game is something that uh we did not do very well against nola mm -hmm. um we fixed it against seattle and uh it was a big part of the result that we got there which is just maintaining defensive integrity mm. um new york likes to line break and offload like we said they are really good at working gaps they have a very talented group of players there anybody can take a smart angle if you give them an opportunity so my key to the game maintain defensive integrity that's how we're going to keep you know that knee on their back mm -hmm. and make sure that they don't come out ahead you know get it get a good gallop at the beginning or something that might make the match a, a lot more uh difficult if we get to where we're chasing them i gotta tell you you know the the expeditionary forces of the first regiment are going to be loud and proud regardless of what takes place i believe that we saw it on display in the last game you were there you were a part of that but um it would be amazing if we could just dance on their grave uh, once again <laughs> but i just don't think it's going to be that type of game as i've been saying yeah. my key to the game is this survive and advance we're getting later into the season it's all about just winning these games and taking as many points as you you know as you can and sneaking out of places thank goodness we've only got two more away games this one and a game that i'm actually going to be that re representing the first regiment the expeditionary forces up in toronto that is it that we're done after this yeah so for these games specifically these away games that we have remaining just be all business you know do whatever you have to do survive in advance that's all i care about i don't care if we win by one point you know if a ball bounces off of somebody's foot and we happen to fall on it in the try zone or something whatever has to happen 
Don't give a damn, just win the game. And that's my, my, you know, my key to the game, survive and advance. That's all that matters. Get the win down there in Hoboken against this pesky squad. Who's very good. Their form doesn't really display it in the previous game. They are dangerous. Uh, so as long as you win, I don't give a damn how it happens. Survive and advance. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well said. We are unlikely to injure like four of their players right at the beginning mm-hmm. of the match, which is one thing that happened with the right. LA did, you know, yeah. not not to suggest it was intentional. They just, you know, it was a physical game and they had they lost some guys early, which helps explain that 43 to 0. It's um, one of the things that, that Scott, the big guy Ferrara, talked about immediately is, you know, that that yeah. scoreline would not have happened if it hadn't been for all the injuries at the beginning of the game. And I believe him. You know, it, it's fun to dance on New Jersey's grave and say, ha ha, look how bad they lost. But that's a talented team, guys. Just yeah. because we're doing so well doesn't mean that other teams can't bite us. You know, they're going to. Yeah, uh, they're they're like a they're a zero schmuck team. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. everybody way to put it. start to finish is a, just a very good rugby player. Yeah. So they're not necessarily clicking every game this season, but anyone on the team can kill you if you give them an opportunity. So really, sure. really, it's an important game for execution and precision. All right. Um, I'm going to move over to predictions at this point, and I will go first, since you did last time. Um, In terms of my prediction, it's going to be razor-thin margins here, guys. New Jersey, 20. New England, 21. One-point differential is all that's going to separate this. I don't know how it's going to take place, but I feel like we're going to barely win this one. And we are going to be escaping from New Jersey instead of escaping from New York. it's going to feel good to get this win against our rival. That'll be uh, four in a row, I believe. But uh, it's going to come at the at the uh, you know at the skin of our teeth once again. Yeah, absolutely. My my prediction is a little bit higher. Um, I think that I think it's very possible that we'll have a low scoring game. But I see the attack on both of these teams just being too good to be held back too much. Here, my here, my Luna over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my prediction is twenty six to 31 with new England coming out on top. I think it's likely that both teams get the try bonus and yep. that the losing team might get that close loss bonus as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be a five points for us, three points uh, or sorry, two points for them sort of game. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Those, those points they've mattered all season, but as we yes. enter the end of the season, they re you know, now's when people are tinkering with their, you know, spreadsheets doing elimination scenarios. I think this week coming up is the first potential elimination, which unsurprisingly would be the Dallas Jackals. But right. we're going to start seeing teams get mathematically eliminated. So really pay attention to those, you know, four four try bonus points and the close loss bonus point for the losing team if they lose by um, less than seven. I'll tell you, I mean, you know, we're talking about how good the Free Jacks are, and they are, and, and we're we're praising their win-loss record right now. But if you if you guys look at the standings, I think we're within five, uh, or excuse me, other teams are within five to us. That's nothing. Um, so we really got to tighten it up. And, and uh, like I said, survive in advance. Just get these wins however you have to. Don't drop games that you shouldn't be dropping. This is a situation where I feel like it's almost a coin flip type of game. Obviously, the form of New Jersey doesn't, you know, justify that. But ultimately, these teams are pretty evenly matched, I think. Um, yeah. So it is kind of a coin flip type of game. Uh, now, that's not going to be the case for future games. I think we have Utah next. I'm not going to say it's a coin flip game in that game, by the way. Um, yeah. But for this one, I think it really is. Uh, and it's just going to come down to the last couple moments. The squeaky bum time uh, yeah. is going to decide this game. 
We'll talk about Utah more next week, obviously, yes. but yeah. I th- I think it's a little bit of a trap game for us. Mm, could be, yep. I'm I'm not I'm not feeling bl- you know blissful going into going into the, <laughs> the home. Of course, being at Veterans Memorial Stadium in Quincy always gives us it a is, big edge. So yes, I feel a lot better about a home game real. against mm-hmm. them than an away game. Oh God, yeah, absolutely, yeah. for sure. Mikey Teo, you never know what's going to happen. Obviously, that's next week. But you know, for this week, you know, just survive in advance, uh, get the win, and and you know, get out of there like a thief in the night. That's all I care about. So uh, yeah, any final thoughts on this one, Dave? Uh, have fun in Hoboken. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. We're going to miss enjoy you, the big city. We'll definitely like I, you know, like I've said, I think my family will probably make a habit of getting down there as often as we can. But mm-hmm. probably once a season is our, our limit with the kiddos. And sure. Everything. Yeah. Makes sense for sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll be missing you, of course. And uh, hopefully everybody that gets down there, if, you, if you're on the fence about going, come on down, man. We're going to have a great time. We're hoping to have like 40 plus there. You get a picture with Scott, the big guy, Ferrara. He'll have to smile for the photo. It'll be fantastic. So come on down. Um, the, the the away games, obviously the, the home games are absolutely a ton of fun, but there's just something, a different type of energy. You're, you're around people that are more hardcore, if you will. They're the real first regiment folks. Uh, so yeah, if you haven't made it to an away game, make sure you do that at some point uh, and represent our Jacks. All right, that's going to do it in three two one huzzah huzzah Huzzah, rangers this is phil harris again here at the jacks rangers show i'm joined again once again by dave mcveigh dave how the hell are you i am doing very well phil how are you not too bad we shop at the same place for our hats obviously (laughs) that's right Yep. So this segment here is a little tradition that we have going on here. It's a mid-season report card from Dave. Dave is an educator himself, so he's well-versed in the report card aspect of this. And it is brought to you by Storm Along. Mass appeal. If you guys love sweet cider, there's no better sweet cider. I don't give a damn what you throw at me. This is the best one. Um, My girlfriend is a huge cider lover, and she had this a couple months ago prior to the sponsorship and was absolutely blown away. So if you haven't tried it yet, make sure you grab it. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, this is always a little bit of fun. I changed the format uh, this time. I wanted to bring in, in previous segments, I've done it out of four, which is kind of an elementary school uh, system where, you know, three is good, four is incredible, two is not mm-hmm. so hot, and one is really bad. And I wanted a little bit more nuance. And because uh, I was already using, you know, decimals. And so now we're doing it out of 10. And as it happens, the Free Jacks are playing fantastic rugby. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole lot of eights, nines, and a handful of tens in this. Um, And I'm going to start out looking at the at the defense stat. And for for every area of the game, defense, attack, game management, and you know other kind of a catch all for different areas, Mm -hmm. I tried to break each one down into four sections, and then two characteristics of that section so under defense starting with our set piece you see reliability is about an 8.5 i feel like when we're on defense we can contest pretty reliably um and our first phase defense meaning sort of the back line defense if we don't steal possession think about a defensive line out right if we have a five meter line out or, or a scrum down in our end of the of the pitch mm-hmm. uh first phase defense has been pretty good as well so i rated both of those at eight and a half now defensive play means like phase play when the other team has the ball and we are just running our defensive system right everything we're kind of in our comfort zone 
And that's, you know, really attested to in the scores, line speed, how fast we come up and pressure the other team. I think it's a 10. It's one of the things we do better than any other team in the league. Our cohesion, something we talked about a lot, how well the guys in that line work with each other. I gave us an eight. We've seen it slip here and there, but overall the cohesion between players is what is helping our defense works so well. There's always risky to come up hard in, the, in a line like we are. And it's cohesion that helps, you know, ameliorate that risk. So 10 and a nine there are scramble defense. So when we're not really in our system, when we're, we're kind of in a rush, just everybody doing whatever they can happens after turnovers, where I think we've had a, a pretty solid defense. It gave us a nine. And then our edge defense is when the team gets around us on the outside, also a nine. Disruption is how well we're using our defense to mess up the other team. Our tackle dominance gave us like a 9.8. Get a little bit better. We're utilizing a lot of double tackles to establish our dominance. That's not bad. Double tackles give us some advantages. Let us hold the ball carrier up, things like that. Um, But we could see, and I think we will see with Vian Conradi back um, and Jesse Peretti starting to get into the mix. I think we're going to start seeing some of those one-on-one bone crunching tackles that everybody loves mm-hmm. to see, not to mention Slade and uh, Joe Johnston, very capable addition those out as well. Uh, obviously, that's a kind of a big back row thing. It's one of the things you expect your back row to do is just smash folks. Mm-hmm. Um, our ability to contest at the breakdown is a 10. I think that kind of goes without saying. Yep. It's something that we do very well. Our line speed in our uh, breakdown contest, which includes just slowing the ball down, not always getting a steal, but making the offense on on the other side yep. have to take so much time that your defense is really set by the time they're ready to, to play the next phase. Uh, those two things have really been our bread and butter, our line speed and our breakdown. Gives us an overall score for defense of 9.225. Very good. Um, next, looking at attack, set up kind of the same way, set piece. Sorry, Dave, I just wanted to jump in here for a moment. So yeah, yeah, more, go ahead. If you're more of a visual person, if you're listening to this uh, this episode, you can jump over to the um, the video segment that we will have up. We always do video segments on this show, but this one we actually do have the visual aid of what we're looking at here, so you can follow along there if you would like. Yeah, absolutely. I know this is a lot of categories and numbers. Yeah, yeah. Um, really, it's a good excuse for me to just kind of talk about all these different areas of the game. <laughs> for, sure. for me, that's kind of where the real utility is. The there's the don't tell anybody, but there's a little bit of whose line is it anyway going going on where the points, you know, the scores are made up right. and the points don't matter. For sure. Um, so that said, I would this upcoming area has the lowest rating of all of the report card which is our set piece possession on attack Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we've seen our line out in particular falter at some important moments uh across this half of the season Uh, not always it's been okay but i would say that one of the only critiques you hear from fans you know really consistently is that our line out needs to be a little bit more crisp so that we mm-hmm. can capitalize on those opportunities yeah. the line out is a huge huge piece of scoring for most teams it generates a lot of tries um and i think ours in particular the possession just winning our own line out could be a little bit better um the execution once we win our line out has been pretty good. We've seen some very clever uh, little planned set piece plays, bang, bang, double pop passes to send guys in pretty much uncontested. 
Uh, we've seen things like uh, having our wingers come up and take a ball off the back of the mall and bust mm -hmm. through a hole. So a lot of fun stuff, um, not to mention just regular backline moves uh, when the ball comes out that have been very effective. So eight and a half for execution. Our attacking play, first phase, nine, that's that, you know, uh, f right after we get a turnover or win possession at the set piece, when we're executing a planned play that we've said, you know, okay, when we get in X situation, we're going to do Y. I think that's been very good. A nine, our phase play, we haven't seen that much phase play because we tend to play territory and be comfortable on defense rather than just run through phases. Um, but when we have run through those phases and we've needed to grind out uh, down in the opponent's half, when obviously you're just not going to kick it away, been been pretty good. Eight and a half. Mm -hmm. um, our counterattack off of turnovers is a ten. One of the things that this team does supremely, um, we generate those turnovers, and when we get them, we are just absolutely lethal. And our counterattack off of uh, kicks also very very good. Uh, between Bodin Waka dropping back to cover. Dougie Fife, we have some serious threats in the backfield who can spot and exploit gaps uh, and connect very well with players. We've seen a lot of those guys make big breaks and then offload for someone else to score the try, which gets to our continuity and support. I rated that a nine and a half. When guys are on the breakaway, they are almost never isolated. They've got people behind them running really smart lines. And our continuity at the breakdown, meaning our ability to protect and secure our own ball after the tackle. Very good. We're a difficult team to poach against. We've frustrated a lot of difficult, uh, a lot of good defenses with the speed of our rucking and just denying them opportunities to steal the ball. So I rated that an eight brings our attack to an 8.75, you know, a high B. Mm -hmm. um, That's a big overall. plus where I come from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'll take a, I'll take a B. Um, now, game management is next. This is sort of the cerebral side of things. A lot, some of these are, are coaching areas. Uh, some of them are management areas. Uh, a little bit of it is on the field stuff. So our game plan creativity, which really is mostly to do with the coaches, what they're doing um, week to week to make sure that our game plan is up to snuff and is something that's going to allow us to beat other teams has been a nine. I think we've come into every game with a good idea of how we're going to win it. Um, and then our execution from the players, I think we've seen a 10. These guys are fully committed to the game plan that the coaches are bringing them. And I think that they are operating that game plan very faithfully. Um, moving into discipline, the way we can test and slow the ball down at the breakdown is going to generate a fair number of penalties. It's just kind of the downside to that strategy. So with that in mind, I gave us an eight. Um, penalties could be lower, but like I said, it's hard to play the kind of game we're going to play mm -hmm. and not give up any penalties. Right. Uh, foul play. I think we've been a, one of the things that's made rooting for the team really enjoyable is that there really has not been a lot of you know skullduggery from the Free Jacks this season. Mm -hmm. uh, they certainly will will give it um, when the other team is bringing it. You know the Free Jacks will give it back a little bit. We saw the Nola game get particularly spicy. Yeah, the but first that was one, something yeah. that where just you know the, the game wasn't being that well managed and mm -hmm. controlled, 
and you saw both teams escalating and yes. things got a little bit a little bit heated there um outside of that example hard to really come up with a situation where mm -hmm. we've seen tempers really flaring on the pitch too much a little bit of you know normal you know chuckles and 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 sharp elbows after right. malls and things like that but nothing crazy right um our roster depth and utilization i gave us both a 10. i think we have probably the best roster in the league and i think that the coaching team has shown that they know how to use yeah. the players they have at their disposal absolutely um, think of that uh, austin game where when people saw the roster you yep. know social media a little bit lost its mind what are we doing? We've got our starters on the bench. Are these guys hurt? What's going on? And, you know, we ran away with that game. Um, Austin just looked like they didn't know what they needed to do to win. Um, so that to me is, is what's awesome about this coaching team is they can pull the rabbit out of the hat a little bit like that when they need to. And uh, it's very effective. They can do that because of the great job TK has done putting the roster together, that mm -hmm. depth that we have across positions, um, really tremendous. And we've seen that as we've had guys pick up a few injuries, uh, get into camp late, uh, you know, mid-season signing like Vian Conradi, mm -hmm. we have the depth that um, we can handle those issues and, you know, have an eight and one record as we stand right now. It's really, really excellent to see our roster uh, I can't say enough good things about it. I get the chef kiss. <laughs> nice. Uh, Love that. And then just performance. Like how has our overall performance been? I broke it down into home and away. Home, we haven't lost a match. We're at a 10. Uh, and away, I gave us a 9.5. This is where, Fair. you know, a lot Fair. of, most of this is just, it's not uh, form. It's I'm basing that just on record, right? right? We yeah. are... You know, we we are five and one on the road, three and zero oh at home. Um, perfect at home, near perfect away. Uh, good source for some points there. Nine point four three seven five overall game management score. That is Beautiful. our highest score. Yeah, it looks um, good. Defense chasing right behind it. I think it's really a testament to our coaching and management teams, as well as the players' depth and ability to. Um, execute on that coaching vision really really great stuff and our last category is the famous other uh so two of them are kicking and then the other two categories are just physicality and mentality so strategic kicking our restarts have been a nine we've been able to score tries off of that uh, it's actually been a very good area for us uh, to generate pressure uh, we're very good at that kick chase our point kicking has been, I rated it a 9.3. I'd say very, very good. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to hit perfect. Uh, anything over a nine mm -hmm. is excellent. Um, so very good score there. Uh, tactical kicking broke into field position. And then attack is in like kick passing and grubbers. So tactical kicking at 9.5. I think our ability to pin teams back in their half and then apply pressure on the kick itself with the kick chase and um, then on the other team as they try to set up their attack and run phases has been supreme. So that field position kicking is a nine and a half. 
kicking on attack. We've seen it generate a few tries. Not quite like the beginning of last season where it seemed like every week Bodine Walker was poking a grubber through for Dougie right. Fife to touch yep. down, sometimes to a game. Yep. Um, but still very good. It's a it's it is a potent response to a rush defense. So those two uh ideas sort of exist in a relationship with each other those, those kicks become more effective and more uh frequent if the other team is crashing up on us and leaving holes behind their um their rush defense that we can put the ball into physicality i rated our collision overall uh meaning you know ball carrying our uh ability to drive malls our scrum power um just overall impact physicality at a nine and a half i rated our fitness a nine and a half as well i think we were one of the fittest teams in the league yes it's one of the things that carried us over in that atlanta game if you want to see a fit team beating Mm -hmm. a less fit team watch that atlanta match and how we crack them open like an egg in the last (laughs) 15 20 minutes because you know we've still got gas in the tank and they're just they're running out uh last category is mentality So I broke it up into poise, which I thought of as um, our ability to keep doing well when things are going well and composure, which is our ability to correct things when they are not going well. Mm -hmm. So poise and 8.7, we've allowed teams to get back in games a few times where we really didn't need to. Um, We maybe could have executed a little bit better the NOLA game comes to mind as one mm-hmm. where we seem to just let our foot off the gas a little bit. Yep. Um, and uh, obviously with the 8-1 record, we're still finishing those games generally, but there have been a few where we've lost some precision um, without a clear explanation, right? So that mm-hmm. to me, that's just a poise dropping a little bit. And then composure, our ability to handle things when they're not going well. They gave us a nine. We've seen this team many times. A, an opponent will score and the Free Jacks will come back and just score right away. Um, no confidence drop. Something that's been consistent about them throughout their whole existence so far, basically, mm-hmm. is their ability to just remain composed. And when their backs are against the wall, play their game plan, play with confidence. Nobody panics. And they worked out a lot of wins that way. So a nine for composure. Brings us to a 9.1875 overall for the other category. Mm-hmm. And a final score of 9.15 out of 10. That's a 91 and a half. That is an A yeah. and is a very good score. I think a reflection of where this team has been so far this year. Uh, they've been extremely enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly, highly competitive as the best team in the league. And, you know, fans out there, I really just hope you're paying attention because we are getting to see some really, really sparkling, entertaining rugby. And you don't always get to root for a team this good. So enjoy it while we've got it. Absolutely. Our time in the sun a little bit. And I invite everybody to just relish the performance that the Free Jacks are putting out on the field because it is fantastic. Couldn't agree more with most of this. I think, um, you know, what I'm seeing here that maybe I would differ with is points. 9.3, I'd probably put that at a nine just because I don't like the, the, uh, if it's, it's either, it's either 0.5 or a, a solid number for me. So <laughs> I would knock that down to a nine. 
Um, yeah. Tackle dominance, I would say, you know, 9.5, just to get those out of the way because I'm a little OCD about that. But other than that, um, I think maybe penalties would be like 7.5. If I'm being really harsh, I would say 7 even there. And then finally, I think when when I, you know, I say this quite a bit, is I, I tell people that I don't think we've seen the best that this team can possibly play or however you would want to phrase that. Um, and when I'm talking about that, I'm talking about set pieces, um, for most games don't look as great as they should. So I think I would knock execution down to an eight or a 7.5. Uh, but other than that, I think uh, I can't disagree with uh, anything else on there. It is good to see such a great free Jack team because we have such great supporters and such a great organization. It's, it's really nice to see the on-field product match that, and, and we definitely have this season. So I think this is a very fair grade overall, and it's a great grade if you're looking at it uh, compared to last year or other teams in the league this year. No other team is going to get this high of marks. Um, you know, Some might come close to that, but ultimately I think it's the Free Jacks by themselves that would have this A, uh, a rating for sure. Yeah, I agree. And I just I, I made a copy and plugged in your your tweaks there while you were giving them. <laughs> Appreciate uh, just that. for you know in the name of science, which would give us uh with your ratings uh, a ninety point eight. So Perfect. Still above a ninety. Perfect. Even if we drop some of those ratings down a little bit. Love it. Um love some it. good feedback there. For sure. Yeah. We'll have to put a graphic to this somehow. I'll, I'll try to figure that out tomorrow, but yeah, looks good, Dave. I think we should definitely continue to do this. I really appreciate you putting in the time and effort on this. I know this is uh, something that's very important to you and it's really good uh, content. I think uh, I love to see the numbers, especially now that they're uh, from one to 10 last year, it was a little foreign to me a little bit, but now it's making more sense. So I appreciate that. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit more reasonable here yes for sure all right uh, anything else before we any final thoughts on uh your mid-season report card um just that i think i'm really confident that we're going to see this form continue and mm-hmm. even improve we've talked a lot about uh the free jacks haven't played their best rugby yet you know every match we're finding things that could be could be improved mm-hmm. um that's true for most teams how many teams play you know perfect anything right so that's not surprising and it's not a knock against the team but when you you know when do you want to peak last week of the season going into the going into the playoffs right so i think we are on uh, on track for that um and uh, we'll see if our final season report card you know on, on our second half is is even higher than this can't wait can't wait to do it after the championship match Oh boy. Not to count let's, any chickens before. Yeah. Match, let's not just... get too far out of it. Let's pump the brakes a little bit on that. But uh, yeah, I, I I'm rarely this... this confident about anything, Phil. I'm just that, enjoying it. I'm a big believer that. in, uh, yeah, 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 you yeah. know, Nate, it's okay to, to name good things, uh, positive things around you. you For know, sure. So. Yep. I, that's, I, uh, that's the energy I'm trying to put out. Love the energy, love the confidence. I, I feel pretty similar to I just don't see this team falling off a cliff or anything like that it's not gonna I just it's not impossible for that to happen but it seems extremely unlikely that that would happen so you know no reason to pop the champagne at this point but there's no reason not to feel good about this free jacks team and we should and, and you know again as what what he was saying earlier and I think I said it last week as well just you know have gratitude and, and, and be thankful for such a great performance by our free jacks so far in this midseason. Um, 
these wins don't come as easy as they seem to this year for the free decks. Overall, we have to appreciate that sort of stuff. Absolutely. All right. Uh, well, on that note, I want you guys to say it with me here in three, two, one. Huzzah! Huzzah! Woo! All right, Rangers. Send us an email at jacksrangershow at gmail.com. Tell us how we're doing. Make sure you're continuing to interact with us on social media. We post a lot of graphics. So, you know, we always leave it open-ended for you guys to comment on those with your thoughts and opinions on those specific graphics like uh, Player of the Week, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, make sure you're interacting with us on social media in that way. Tell a friend that is maybe a new Free Jacks fan to tune in to the Jacks Ranger Show. Make sure you're subscribing and liking uh, on YouTube as well. We have got all of our videos. So this podcast obviously is um, audio, but we also, when we do our segments, we also include the the video portion of that on YouTube. So search for us on there and make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. We would greatly appreciate it. For this week's Today in American Revolutionary War History, it comes actually from the suggestion of the desk of Ranger John. He sent an email over to me mentioning a guy that I was unaware of that fought in the Battle of Bunker Hill and unfortunately lost his life there by the name of Andrew McCleary. And the best write-up that I've seen about him in terms of just to summarize what took place, he was a major in the 1st Regiment of the New Hampshire line. Uh, there at, at the Battle of Bunker Hill, which, uh, by the way, was commanded by General John Stark. Andrew McCleary served in the famed Rogers Rangers. He participated in the December 1774 raids on the British Fort William and Mary and Newcastle, at which time powder and munitions were seized. Learning of the pending conflict at Bunker Hill while tilling his land just south of here, which was in Epsom, he left his plow in the furrow in his haste to meet the challenge. McCleary was named second in command to Colonel John Stark, so a colonel at that time, of the 1st uh, New Hampshire Regiment. A British cannonball flailed him as the battle ended, prompting the eulogy. His son went down at noon on the day that ushered in our nation's birth. So Major Andrew McCleary gets a special shout out here. He lived in Epsom, New Hampshire, a great New Hampshireite. Uh, that is from the desk of Ranger John. And that is our American Revolutionary War history little segment that we like to do on every single episode. Before we jump on out of here, I wanted to mention once again Phil's Last Ride, the charity drive benefiting Massachusetts Youth Rugby Organization. We're up to $950 with 21 different individual donors on that. So I appreciate everybody that has donated so far. With what's going on regarding that, I'm growing a Carolina Waterfall, which is a mullet. We have bleached it blonde because we surpassed $500. The sides have been dyed blue and red because we surpassed 750 and the next milestone is $1,000. We're only $50 away from that, guys. What's going to happen is I'm going to put a braid in there. It'll look like uh, some sort of Viking, Appalachian Viking, a hillbilly warrior there. So that'll be fun. Beyond that, you know, we'll have more milestones once we get past $1,000. The ultimate goal is $2,000. And the reason for that, a benefactor of ours that listens to this very show is that a ranger true and true has said, if we reach $2,000 before the end end of the season, they will individually donate $3,000 with a total of $5,000 going to the Massachusetts Youth Rugby Organization. So if you haven't donated, you know, throw a five or $10 in there for us. We'd greatly appreciate that very much. And thank you for doing that from here. Hope to see everybody that is listening to this down in Hoboken to face this uh, semifinalist, aka the Dirt Packers down there in Hoboken RFC. This was a fun episode, episode 37, Forget About It, presented by Storm Along American Hard Cider. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and let us march on out of here. So saddle up. Let's ride. Go free jacks. 
beat New Jersey. Huzzah! Woo!